Hi, this is the Beach Boys. Al, Bruce, Carl, Mike, Brian, and Dennis. Hi, welcome to Good Vibrations Beach Boys Podcast, Episode 5. Today we talk with Dean Torrance about his new book, Surf City, The Jan and Dean Story. And Dean tells us about a number of things, including what he left out. We talk about the Jan and Dean Meet Batman album. But first, I want to get started by talking to Dean about his recent book uh, signing appearance and asked him about who showed up, among other people, uh, director Steve Latshaw, film director Steve Latshaw, as well as Jeff Skunk Baxter of the Doobie Brothers. Here's what Dean had to say. The cool stuff was Skunk, of course, and then uh, Ken Berry, Jan's younger brother, and uh um, Billy Berry, his youngest, Jan's youngest brother, you know, they both showed up. So it was nice to have uh, support from the Berries, which those guys have always been supportive of me and never thought you know, anything negative about how I interacted with Jan you know, uh, post-accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which everybody was on kind of same page post accident. He was a different person, and it was you know, not as easy to have a relationship with him, even his family. So we all understood it wasn't easy, and we tried to remember him as he was when he was normal. Which, when before the accident, as I've told you millions of times, we got along really well, and he all in all got along with his, you know, his, his parents and his family, and it was all all okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's great. I mean, Ken Ken has always seemed to kind of have your back. I mean, going back to just posing on the Safer Rainy Day album cover. I mean, it's just been... Exactly. So, yeah, he's a, he strikes me as a... I got to briefly meet him at the Roxy, and they're in the tribute. Uh, seemed like a real nice guy. Yeah, he, he is. He's kind of shy. I mean, he, he's not one of the... He's certainly not Jan. Kind of the opposite. He was just, just hard-working, smart... As all the berries were, smart guy, and uh, came up with the idea to do the studio instrument rentals, and then I helped him put together his first logo, which he used for at least twenty to thirty years. So you know, we had a kind of had a history. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it was nice. He was there, and he hung out. God, he was there for a good hour, hour and a half, and he enjoyed talking to the fans and stuff, and so it was very pleasant. Next, I asked Dean about how he approached putting the book together and how he communicated his skills to the publisher. I kept telling him, it's not, you know, this is not written by a writer. It's written by, or the words are by a storyteller. And I want it to feel as though it's, it's you know, somebody's, sitting there in an airplane you're telling them a story and it's not supposed to be literal you know some literal uh, author gem by a writer and i'm finding that most people get that and they really kind of like that feel that it's loose and that it's not formal and and the english isn't perfect i, I meant for it not to be perfect it's loose enough you know uh, I made sure I didn't really go after anybody except except Jan, you know, during the drug period, mm-hmm. which, which was reasonable. And then and then, uh, and then there was redemption. So once there was redemption, then it took the bite off of the 
Yeah. Which all in all, you know, so 80% of the boat were, were getting along, and um, just 20% or 15 or 20 is me playing, uh, you know, tough love. Yeah. yeah. And it worked. He went back to work again for an extra 15, 20 years, and all worked out okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that it was pleasant for him to die in his 60s, which wasn't great. But at the very least, right up until the end, he was doing what, you know, what he really loved doing. And wasn't in embarrassing uh, venues. And we weren't doing holiday in lounges, you know, all performing arts and still doing some fairs and all that kind of stuff. So... He kind of died at the top, still at the top of his game, you know. Yeah. As it, as it were. Yeah, I still very vividly remember. Well, the first time I ever saw you two was December of '84 here in Charlotte, and and you did two shows. There was like an earlier show and a later show, and I think it. I think it's kind of hazy, but I think it was the earlier show, or maybe it was later. But Jan did the "You've Got to Hide Your Love Away" by himself on the stage. And the spotlight was on him. Was it Spirit Square? And my friend who I was with, at the end of it, he stood up and he shouted out, "Way to go, Jan!" And then the whole crowd erupted and stood on their feet. And I just remember remember that moment as a fan, but also kind of for him. That's why I think it's so vivid in my memory, is because it was just really I I knew enough about you guys that I understood his struggle and at that point and. And so it was. It was pretty emotional for me as a as a fan. Just just and for him to get that reaction was was pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. We'd uh, like to dedicate to John Lennon and uh, play a few songs on the Beatles.
Thank you, Thurman. In my mind, branding-wise, you know, it didn't really particularly fit. Now, if it were one of the up-tempos, Beatles songs, yeah, maybe it fits in, in your set. But that particular song wasn't, in my mind, wasn't really one of their better songs or a song that actually fit in the set. But Jan obviously didn't think that way, and I think in the book I kind of did explain Sometimes he'd pick out a song that, you know, was, in quotes, his favorite to do. And, uh, you know, if you're honest about it all, it was the only song he could remember. So that was okay, too. Mm. And again, it worked. And if, if, you know, guys like your friend, you know, stood up and did what they did, you know, then I went, okay, it's working. Yeah, yeah. Even in China. Didn't even, they didn't even want any Janadine songs or Beach Boy songs. I, I wasn't offended. And, and then we did the other songs, and the Chinese were right. The people went crazy over them. I went, we're here to entertain them, which was something I used, used to have to kind of explain to Jan. And we're not here for ourselves, you know, doing songs we particularly like to do. You know, hopefully we do, but, but we're doing songs that they react to. You know, they don't react to a certain song like Baby Talk or Jenny Lee because they didn't remember it or it you know, wasn't a great record. It was, it was a hit record. And again, he mistook being a hit for really being great. Well, you know, one hit wonders can have some these stupid songs. Um, but if well, I'm always looking at the audience, I'm always gauging what they're reacting to, and if they don't react to a certain song, then you leave it out. I don't care if it was a hit, and I don't care if like you know the hardcore people being one out of a hundred, hundred and fifty, uh, you know, thinks you should do it. I'm not gonna do it for that one person out of out of a hundred. Kind of like me wanting popsicle. <laughs> Popsicle was up tempo and it's kind of cute and it kind of fits and it does have vocal parts where you know some of those early doo woppers you know only have two vocals so they're not a production thing they they don't then get the rest of the band involved except just for playing it or known for vocals so yeah baby talk we worked on having four part harmonies at a few parts in it. But it still was kind of an old doo-wop, uh, primitive. And again, the audience kind of, kind of reacted to it, but they reacted to other stuff more. So why not do the other stuff? Right. No, that's true. Even in China, if they're if they're going to react to country roads, about a billion times more than you know than a Janadine or Beach Boy or even a Elvis song, then let's do country roads. I don't care. We're here to entertain them. If that's what, if that's what gets them hell. That's, we even did the song twice. That's weird. What a strange. <laughs> well, it was strange. And I was like, you know, this is like a bar band taking requests in a twenty thousand seater, and Gary Griffin's playing uh, theme from a summer place. And when they told me they want to do it, I said, "That's an instrumental." Oh, we know instrumental. Oh, okay. All right, well, we'll try it. We tried it and worked. God, you guys are right. Fine. Keep it in.
Vibrations, a Beach Boys podcast. Was there anything in your book that you had kind of initially intended to use, but you left it out? Yeah, I could have done another easy 100 pages, probably. And now, looking back, I probably should have. But I was relying on these you know, guys telling me that don't get it you know, too overloaded with stuff. I don't read much because I get ADD, I get bored. So I never really ever finish a book. So when I was looking at it, it felt just kind of long enough. But that's me, so I, I shouldn't be judging it by what I would be interested in. I just didn't want to get too wordy. I took a whole Sinatra story out. Originally, when we gave the book to, or I gave it to the agent, uh, I had a Sinatra story, and that was a third of the book. Probably that was 75 to 100 pages on its own. And then I thought, you know, as I was putting it together, I started going, it just doesn't fit. You know, it's too weird. I mean, I love the weirdness. But on the other hand, I thought better of it. Maybe yeah. that'll be a second book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of yeah. It's a little off the the beaten track of the Jan and Dean story. It's not far, but it's you know it's. it's I mean, because it it does involve high school buddies that were barren. So I could I would I did make a bigger deal out of the barons and the barons, you know, being linked in music and rock and roll and and cars and surfing and all that kind of stuff. And and the Barons also have, you know, their, the Brotherhood, where, you know, it, it was kind of like a gang, a waspy gang, and, you know, very loyal to one another, and you were always there, you know, you were blood brothers. So if a couple of guys went off the deep end and got kind of weird, you know, you wouldn't rat on them. And you didn't really think they were serious anyway, and then they end up being serious, and then what do you do?
Kids West L.A., the instrumental from the Dead Man's Curve New Girl in School LP from 1964. That was uh, kind of felt apropos, considering Dean was talking about his old high school friend Barry Keenan. Also right now, there's been a lot of attention brought onto the Jan and Dean Meet Batman album, because not only is it the 50th anniversary of that cult LP, but it's also the 75th anniversary of Batman. Comic-Con has kind of somehow found found our record of Batman. Hmm. And I've seen reviews and pod, at least some podcasts and things that have talked about and played some cuts from. And they are just, you know, uh, a lot of those folks, you know, some, what, 50 years later are going, holy shit, these guys really did a really good job. That's very intricate. of Captain Jan and Boy Dean is a story which will live forever in the hearts of young America. Holy screamers. Of course, you remember his one night in the late hours at a secluded recording session in one of Hollywood's finer recording studios. It's the little old lady from Pasadena. Unknowingly, Henry Decibel, their time-trusted friend, and rambunctious recording engineer accidentally crosses two wires and twists the wrong dial. <laughs> Lo and behold, emerging from the mysteriously colored cloud of smoke and gases is a sweet little old lady. Holy senior citizen. in a long, organdy dress with high-button shoes. Hi, honeys. Hi, Henry. Well, boys, I've waited a long time for this. Have a cookie. I need your help. The little old lady goes on to explain how she needs the aid of Jan and Dean in her war against those who jeopardize justice. And for this purpose... She magically grants them the secret identities of Captain Jan and Dean the Boy Blunder. Holy Halloween, Jan. Look at this great costume. It's slick. The little old lady gave it to me. It's Captain Jan from now on, pal. I'm sorry. What did you do, dolt? I chipped over my cap. Cape. Cape. You do deserve that name, Boy Blunder. The little old lady goes on to give Captain Jan and Dean the Boy Blunder mystic powers, which will be divulged later, dear listener. Jan and Dean return with the little old lady to their Bel Air Manor, tucked away in the Bel Air Botanical Garden. Holy landscaper! In the lofty attic of the palatial mansion, with the little old lady, they work for weeks building an astounding scientific laboratory, matched by none. And so, boys, I'll be in my little house in Pasadena if you want me. <laughs> and remember, by singing my name, you will assume your secret identities. <laughs> the little old lady races out a back door. Holy sprinter. Leaps in her superstock dodge. Holy hurdler. And wails away. And thus we have Captain Jan and Dean the Boy Blunder, that titanic twosome out to champion the cause of justice and to triumph over evil. Because some of that first, the first stuff was really, really good. And, you know, we had more time to do it. We weren't in a rush. But when we had to completely redo it, it still came off better than I thought, even redoing it. But uh, it, it wasn't as spontaneous because we'd already done it once. So, um mm. The first one just had more spontaneity to it, as I remember. But when I listen to the other one, I don't notice it as much as I did. They're both good. And there's both 
still relevant. I mean, Batman's still relevant. And if the Comic-Con people, if it's part of their folklore, you know, shoot. <laughs> yeah, well said, Dean. You know, Jan and Dean's name has never really gone away. It's uh, They may be not necessarily on the... Uh, the top echelon of, of rock and roll icons because of uh, Jan's accident kind of derailing their success in uh, April 1966, but they certainly deserve uh, the attention for the music that they created uh, and Jan Berry's incredible arrangements. In fact, well, uh, before I go, I think it's important to mention another book about Jan and Dean uh, by author Mark A. Moore, and uh, it's called The Jan and Dean Record, a chronology of studio sessions, live performances, and chart positions, and it's got a, for- a brief, very brief, foreword from Brian Wilson about Jan. And it's a really insightful and detailed uh, read. And um, for someone like me, it takes quite a while to get through this stuff, but it's worth uh, every page. Mark did a really incredible job with his research. So if you want to kind of get a really good feel for the Jan and Dean story, pick up Mark's book for sure. It's on Amazon, so is Dean's for that matter. Surf City, the Jan and Dean story by Dean Torrance out now. So pick up both books and dig in. Um, I want to thank Dean Torrance for being my special guest today. And of course, uh, you can look for episode six. It's going to be with Mike Love. And we're going to talk to Mike about his book and and a number of other things, too. So uh, look for that very, very soon. Thanks for tuning in. And remember to head over to Facebook and the Endless Summer Quarterly page. And check it out. We're doing giveaway after giveaway after giveaway. We've given away quite a number of things. We still have some autographed goodies, including Brian's new memoir, I Am Brian Wilson, autographed by Brian. Mike's new book, uh, Good Vibrations, My Life is a Beach Boy, autographed by Mike. And we have another Pet Sounds 50th Anniversary two-disc CD set, autographed by Mike, Brian, Al, and Bruce. And uh, a number of other things, a collectible uh, Record Store Day uh, 64 Sessions It came out uh, two years ago on on Record Store Day from Omnivore. And the two-disc set, Becoming the Beach Boys, the complete heightened Dorenda Morgan sessions, two-disc set from Omnivore, and a lot of other goodies. It's kind of uh, too much to just try to communicate right here. So go over to Facebook, see all the different uh, giveaways we're doing. And in celebration of the 50th anniversary of Good Vibrations, we're giving away the 12-inch, along with the the program and both uh, Mike and Brian's books, Plus, (laughs) Plus, <laughs> I, I knew I was heading, try, trying to get you over there. If you go to the photos, go to the Endless Summer Quarterly page. Be sure and like us and click on the photos. And you may have to go back several weeks, but check it out. I created some uh, designs, uh, six, one, one per member of the Beach Boys, one for Brian, one for Mike, one for Al, one for Bruce, one for Carl, and one for Dennis. A 50th anniversary full-color collector card, and you can just, you know, grab them and pull them right down onto your desktop to to have they're absolutely free they're just out there as well as head over to in the meantime if you're not a subscriber to the magazine you have to be a subscriber to be eligible for these giveaways we're doing it's really easy to do head over to esquarterly.com that's e-s-q-u-a-r-t-e-r-l-y.com head on over as soon as you get there to the landing page you'll see a jukebox it'll start to play some 
very familiar tunes, I promise. And there's a palm tree shooting up right behind the, uh, the jukebox. And at the very top, you're going to see a, a signpost attached to that tree that says subscribe to the magazine. Just click on that. It'll take you right to the page. It'll tell you everything you need to know. Regardless of where you live in the world, it, it, it breaks down all the different rates. And you can use PayPal if you choose or send us a check in the mail. And the mailing address is there. So check it out. Um, hope you have a great week. And look for my interview with Mike in the next week. Take care.